Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. So, every week we start with a random question. Uh, Alice, what is your signature dish to cook? Whether that be for friends, for your other half, for yourself. I'm really, I'm going to disappoint you here. So, I'm just, I'm really not much of a cook. I'm really, really basic when it comes to food. Like, I'm just like, the more basic, the better. So, you know, I mean, I, I do a mean jacket potato, uh, but that's about as far as it goes. Like, I just like, you know, jacket potatoes and salad, or like, I'll make pasta and salad. Um, I don't really cook. I don't think I've ever cooked for anyone. Like, maybe maybe a couple of times for boyfriends in the past, but I don't even know if I've ever cooked for my husband, but he's, <laughs> so he's a bit more of a cook. So that kind of also takes the, takes the pressure off me a little bit, but no, I'm just such a basic bitch when it comes to food, just like plain ass food. But I know you are quite a dab hand in the kitchen, Josh. <laughs> What's yours? What's like your main go-to that is just always a pleaser? Uh, I do, I do like to cook. Uh, I think the the one that I do quite a lot that people who I've had over for dinner have asked me to do again is I make a ch- a chicken and chorizo pie, and it's like chicken chorizo and wine and parsley and cream and all this, and it's a very sort of decadent pie. So probably that chicken chicken chorizo pie, or uh, I also do like any like I quite like cooking Italian food as well. So anything anything like a a good spag ball or a um, first thing I ever learned to cook bar like putting stuff in the oven. So actually cooking from scratch was a corned beef hash. Ooh, and okay. I, I, I didn't know what simmer meant. So I simmer. thought, oh. I thought simmer meant just take it off the heat and let the dish absorb the water. Okay. So I was making corned beef hash for my flatmates at the time. And I got all the stuff in the pot and, you know, the corned beef and the carrots and the potatoes and the stock and all that. And then I started the water boiling and then I just took it off the heat and left it for two hours. And people were going, where's this corned beef ash? And I was just going, well, it's simmering, isn't it? It's just simmering. And uh, yeah, needless to say, someone took over and finished it. And uh, it was nice in the end, but yeah, didn't know what simmer meant. 
So we'll move on to talking about this week's film. Um, Alice, you pick this one. We're going to be talking about All Dogs Go to Heaven, which is from 1989. So spoilers if you've, if you've not seen that. Uh, Alice, um, interesting to know with this one. Um, so what's it about and why did you pick it? So All Dogs Go to Heaven is the story of Charlie, who's a German shepherd, and he gets murdered by his sort of former friend and his business partner, I think. Um, and he's called Carface. Uh, but he withdraws from his place in heaven to return to Earth. But that means he can never go back. But he and his friend Itchy on Earth, they become responsible for a young orphan named Anne-Marie, who is being held captive by Carface. And all Anne-Marie wants is a mum and dad. And though unwilling at first, Charlie sort of makes that happen, securing his place in heaven once again at the end of the film. And the reason I picked it was because in my memory, so I'd only, I'm pretty sure I'd only seen it once as a very young child. And my memory of it was that it was very emotional and it really made me well up and that it just kind of gave me a load of the feels. So I was just, I guess this is kind of like a, a revisit for me, but also an underseen, I think, because I don't, I don't really hear it ever come up at all, like in sort of the famous animated films. I believe that the guys who made it, the same guys who did Land Before Time, another one which I absolutely love. And I feel like more people know about that than knew about this one. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to revisit, see if, you know, see if those old feelings were kind of still there. Uh, Josh, had you seen this one? I don't think you had, had you? No, uh, no. So I think, I think I'd heard of it, but I'm not entirely sure if I'd heard of it or if I just heard of the phrase, dogs go to heaven. So I don't know. I'd certainly not seen it before. Um, I knew a little bit about the filmmakers. Like you say, Dom, I think he's called Don Bluth. He made... Um, he made this and he made Land Before Time, but he actually made another film, which I really like, called Anastasia, which is the story of the sort of missing Russian princess. That was probably about 10 years after he made this. And that's like a that's like a really, you know, you get these films that are Disney, but they're not made, like they're usually made by DreamWorks or someone else like that. So, and people often mistake them for Disney because they follow that same sort of basic formula where there's songs and, you know, that sort of thing. But Anastasia for me is like one of those. It's like, it's it's a, it, it's actually probably on my list. If I look at it, it's on my list of films to possibly suggest, which, I, you know, I won't for a while now that you've picked this. Thanks. But... Um... <laughs> Always ruining your plans. Eh? <laughs> yeah. But, but um, yeah, that's that's a really, it's a really good one. So I, I was aware of the director, so I sort of went into this feeling like I'd be in, in, in good hands. Um, but I was really intrigued he picked it because because this is this this is um quite a left field choice if you like for a for a, a film choice not something i'd heard of so having rewatched it again um what did you think so i'll be honest josh i was pretty underwhelmed uh i didn't feel those similar feelings that i thought that i'd felt the first time and i just wonder if maybe i'd given myself a few false memories about it um, I thought some of the animation was beautiful, especially uh, like when they're outdoors and some of the buildings and some of the landscapes and the skylines. Um, I thought that was really, really lovely. Uh, I'd completely forgotten that it was a musical. So when they started singing, I was like, oh, OK. So that, that had totally slipped my mind. Um, but in general, though, I was quite disappointed. Uh, so I think I will go to you first to see if you have any more positive things to say. And then we'll just sort of run through the th reasons why why I feel a bit let down by it. But what were your kind of initial thoughts when you came away? It's, it's interesting you say that. Yeah, I mean, I, I tried to go into it with an open mind because it is... It's a family film. It's not, you know, specifically aimed at kids, but it's definitely not aimed for 
guy, a 30-year-old man to sit and watch on his own. I think that's fairly safe to say. So I tried to find things I liked about it. It's not that I was underwhelmed because I didn't really go in with any expectations like you did. But there was things, like you said, that we'll come on to that was a little bit, you know, not not as good as um, as other stuff. But there, there was things I liked about it. So, for example, I did, like you've already said, I really like the animation. And the animation mixed with the setting of New Orleans. It's set in New Orleans in the 30s. Um, I think makes for a really great picture. So... New Orleans, I mean, I've, I've never been. I'd absolutely love to go. It's, it's my partner's, like, bucket list destination is New Orleans or, or probably the Maldives. Two places I'll never be able to afford for us to go anyway. Um, but um, it looks amazing. It's got. It's always pictured as this place that's so full of life and colour and, you know, street stalls and music and, you know, everyone's having fun and you think of Mardi Gras and, you know, just a big old great, hell of a fun time i guess and that really helps when it when you when you sort of um set an animation there for me because it is this as i say this world of this sort of color as well as you get that that really sort of stylized architecture that everyone's familiar with a little bit like meet me in st louis which i know isn't is set in missouri but it's that sort of southern american type architecture that you think of with porches and deck and and you know, rocking chairs on the front lawn and this amazing sort of, these amazing structures. Um, oh, certainly, yeah. And it really did a good job of of giving it that kind of festival feel or like that carnival feel. Like there were a lot of scenes that were really busy and there was always loads of sounds going on. You kind of, you really did feel like the hustle and bustle of it, I think. Yeah, yeah, you did, you did. And then, you know, again, New Orleans is great for things like um, soundscapes because it's set on a bayou, which is kind of like a sort of like a marsh or a swamp. A lot of films that are set there are, you know, you've got the, this backdrop of constantly crickets chirping and clear skies and moonlight lighting up the water, and it always looks so so picturesque and that picturesque even. And when you when you sort of juxtapose that with when they're in the junkyard, again, it just all it looks really good, and it reminded me a little bit of another animation, which is which is the Princess and the Frog. If you've not seen it, which is obviously s several decades after this, that's a, that's a Disney film that's set in New Orleans. That's that is worth worth a watch. But then if you also what is really good about it in terms of the way it looks is the animation because it's sort of a an animation from the um, from the eighties, and I don't know that much about how it was made, but it's I get the impression a lot of it was hand drawn, and because it is that, it's it seems that it's a lot stiller. So almost like what you get is these big, great sort of landscape pictures, which look like paintings. And then the camera, if you will, will zoom in on where the action's happening, but everything else stays still. So it almost looks like you're being drawn into this this painting, if you like. And it reminded me of things like old school animation, like Cinderella and Snow White, where you see a big storybook and then it goes into the storybook and you see this forest or whatever, except it's, you know, it's New Orleans. So I like that. I thought it looked really good. Yeah, certainly. And the one moment um, that really you, you made me just think of that, I think it's when um, the, the rat race is going on, isn't it, where they're actually racing rats. And you, there's these crowds and crowds of these dogs sort of up in the stands watching and it, all the audience, it's all it's all freeze frame, isn't it? Or it's all just kind of an outline. You're just sort of getting the impression of it. It's not the full picture. And yeah, I feel I see what you mean. That almost makes it more immersive and it's kind of um, teetering the, the sort of line between a film and a painting and you sort of get that kind of in between. I find that's quite impactful. It, it sometimes, it felt older than 1989. A lot yeah. of the time to me, like I feel like it was from from an era way gone by. 
Yeah, no, it did. It could have. It could have been. It's almost like it was purposefully, purposely made to look like that because it maybe because it's set in the thirties. Um, I'm not too sure. I mean, the fact that it's set in the thirties isn't really. It's not really important to the plot, is it? It's just. It just is. It's almost. Set, it's almost set in the thirties so that it looks prettier. Well, I thought that uh, maybe somehow the, the war was going to come into it for, for some reason because it was 1939, but um, it, it didn't really. I don't think, I, I mean, not that I could see that the, the year wasn't particularly relevant to the story. It could have been like, you know, you, you could have told me it was 1939 or 1928 or 1949. Unless there's something to do with dogs taking over New Orleans in 1939 that's sort of been omitted maybe. from history. You don't know. These things you happen, know. you know, fake news, fake news. Um, <laughs> but no, and again, I'm a sucker for anything with animals. I do love dogs and, and animals and all sense. They do a really good job in this of sort of characterizing each dog differently and getting all the different breeds, right? You know, you've got Charlie, who, first of all, main character's name is Charlie B. Barkin. So, I mean, I... Um, that's you know that's a win for me that's a point on its own charlie b barkin um <laughs> and then you get him he's a german shepherd he's full of energy you get his friend who's always itching himself like dogs do you know they're always itching with their hind legs then you've got the villain car face who's sort of like a i think he's like a big sort of bulldog of some sort with this fantastic voice this fantastic raspy villainous sort of voice this big hulking brute of a character then you get other dogs who are sort of they come along the way you get the english collie that is his friend who's got all the puppies that she's looking after you get all the puppies which are obviously adorable and i really like the humanization of dogs or the personification if you if you like of dogs when and you see it in in um in in cartoons and in in films and stuff like it's always it's always something that i find really endearing and i do think they do that they do a good job in in this film of that. And I think what they do really well is they create a world that's almost parallel to the human world where dogs, a bit like something like A Bug's Life where, you know, there's a bug world and a human world and and they just sort of don't really inter, intertwine apart from occasionally. And like you say, in, in this, that's what they do. So it's like, you know, the Charlie seems to run some sort of underground casino with Carface where they bet on, races except it's not horses it's rats so they're betting on you know races and there's other times when they're making loads of money from gambling and you see them watching all these mad <laughs> all these mad animal sports like um there's like obviously there's the rat race and there's kangaroo boxing as well i think there's something to do with frog swimming or oh that's it tortoise is swimming isn't it yeah and so the, the, by creating that world that allows you to sort of draw a box around the, the characterization of the dogs and explain why they're acting that way and why they're humanized and that really helped with making them likable for me. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I thought, yeah, I thought it was okay. So let's move on to what you were saying. What, so what did you like about it before we move on to the disappointment? Or was there not really anything? Uh, the, those were the, the main two things, really, that you covered. So uh, the way it looked and also the, like how distinct all the different dogs were. So it was quite fun to guess what breed everything was and just kind of see if their sort of personality traits and that did fit in, you know, with our expectations of those breeds. Um, and like the, like you said about them being sort of a mirror to, to sort of human beings and to human activity, it was almost as if, you know, the famous... Uh, painting of the dogs playing poker yeah. it was like what if we made a film of this it's like because they are just they're the naughtiest dogs they're so naughty it's all gambling and drinking and, and trying to murder one another and i like just, that they yeah. um i like that when they're betting they're betting with food yeah Did you know is yeah. that like when they when they're placing bets he's like pay, like play, just betting like a t-bone steak or something 
as opposed to like money. Mm. I thought that was good. Anyway, sorry, as, as you were saying. No, yeah, yeah, that was that was that was kind of um, mostly what I was just going to say. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really think the songs were any good. Uh, like they weren't like catchy. They didn't really flow. They didn't have like any pizzazz to them. And I don't, I don't want to compare everything to Disney. I really don't. But Disney writes some of the best film songs ever. Like just catchy. They flow well. The rhymes are usually great. And with this, it just kind of felt. I feel like it would have been more impactful without the songs. I just don't feel like they were necessary at all. I agree. So uh, that was one of the things I noted about like what, you know, anything I didn't I didn't like about it. I I there wasn't a memorable song in it. It didn't add anything that it was a musical like like with Anastasia who is the same which is the same director. The songs in that are really really memorable. They're as memorable as Disney songs. There's a couple of songs in there. There's at least 3 I can think of at the top of my head which are memorable. Whereas this, I couldn't tell you a single song that's in it. There's probably some sort of pun on a dog's life or, you know, I don't know, bones or something I don't know, but and there's also not that much actual singing in it. So the music they they start these musical numbers and it's just a lot of sort of talking. It's a lot of talk. It's sort of like, I'm the main character and I'm singing a song now because the actor can't really sing. So let's just talk to the audience, but in a rhythm, you know, and that, I think that, that you can get away with that in films like Disney films where you've got singers as well as people who can't sing. So if you look at like, for example, Hercules that we did, there's loads of really great songs in that. And then there's a song that Danny DeVito's character does where he's not really singing. He's just sort of talking, but it works because it's surrounded by other songs that are memorable. Same in The Lion King. There's loads of really memorable songs. And then Jafar's song, not Jafar, Scar's song, sorry, Be Prepared, is just Jeremy Irons talking. So that works. But in this, there's no actual singing in it. And so, not only are the songs not memorable, but they're sort of. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Obviously quite poor. There's obviously quite a poor part of the film, and I thought that was a bit of a shame. Mm, yeah, definitely. And the it, the music sort of wasn't particularly catchy. But yeah, I think like you say, it just felt like the actors uh, couldn't really sing. I imagine they weren't hired. It's almost as if they didn't do a singing audition. It was just, oh, that these are the, going to be the voice actors. It's like, oh, but by the way, there's also a couple of songs in it. Can you give it your best shot? Um, so I didn't really like any of the dogs, which I just which completely surprised me because I honestly expected to go into it and just fall in love with all of them. And when I think about things like Homeward Bound or Lady and the Tramp, it's like those dogs are so likable and beautiful and you just think, oh, you're such a good boy. But with these <laughs> with these ones, I was just like, I just didn't feel connected to any of them. And I, I don't know if it's just because they didn't have particularly like likable personalities. Like they were all just kind of a bit rough around the edges. They were all kind of a bit like scumbags, really. Um, and that really, I think that had a lot to do with why it fell flat for me because I just didn't fall in love with any of the characters and I definitely completely fully expected to because they are dogs and I just love dogs. I'm the same as you. I love dogs. So you think a lot of them are almost likable by default. So it goes a long way to talk about the, f the film having a fault when some of the dogs weren't likable. Itchy, I thought, was quite likable because he is sort of quite affable and, and cute and stuff. And obviously the puppies are cute and the way that they they animate the puppies to act like puppies in the way that they can't climb stairs quite yet and all that sort of thing is very cute the main problem for me i thought was that charlie is the main character and he's a prick yeah like yeah. he's a, like if he was a person he's a bit of a scumbag and he's not like a lovable i think he's supposed to be a lovable rogue on this sort of story of redemption but he's actually a bit of a prick on the story of redemption, and he sort of doesn't deserve the redemption at the end. It's a bit of a bit of a strange one. Yeah, um, it's like he's he's not really doing anything great all along, and then at the end, it's like, oh no, but you did it, and now you can come into heaven. And it just felt a bit unsatisfying. The other thing as well, German shepherds are really fucking loyal. And he just, like, well, I mean, I guess he's kind of loyal to Itchy, but, you know, he's not very nice to Anne-Marie. And he sort of, you know, says that he's just using her just to kind of get what he wants and all this. And it was just... This this is my fault for obviously having preconceived ideas of how I think dogs should behave. Um, and he just wasn't it, I think, for me. Um, something funny that I really, uh, that really sort of uh, stood out to me. So we've got uh, Anne-Marie's potential new parents, haven't we? Um, Harold and the lady whose name escapes me just now. Um, but uh, so Charlie steals their wallet, I think, to to get, you know, to get their money off them. And then Anne-Marie obviously thinks that this is awful. And so she goes to try and take it back. Or it's it's when Itchy turns up at the house. One of them, one of the characters turns up at the human's house anyway. And it's nighttime and they're in bed. And the lady is wearing the sexiest sort of outfit you could possibly imagine. It's like this tiny little skin tight pink nighty with this <laughs> like sheer pink sort of dressing gown and high heels. It's like they've just come out of bed. I was like, what is this? Like, what am I meant to be thinking when I see this? Maybe, I just um... kind of didn't get it. Maybe they weren't asleep in bed. I mean, you know, maybe those dogs interrupted. I mean, they want to adopt the kid. Who's to say they're not sort of um, trying for one? 
Uh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. But it just kind of felt a bit jarring, and I was. Just I know like, what you mean. And, I know. And, and he it's wasn't obviously sexy that... though. He wasn't wearing sexy clothes. He was just wearing like normal pajamas and dressing gown. But she was like really sort of you know like like they were up to something. <laughs> But he also is quite chiseled. It's just that he's got glasses on. He's like Clark Kent. He's like yeah. he, he's like geeky, sexy, but also definitely spends some time in the 1939 gym. Yeah. Wow. I wonder what that looked like. <laughs> just, just weights, probably. Um, loads I of felt, eggs. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did feel a lot of the way through that um, the characters were quite two dimensional. It just didn't really feel like that there was much going on with any of them. And I didn't really find the script itself particularly gripping. I don't know what you thought about the writing. How did you feel about that? So, yeah, a little bit simplistic, a little bit a little bit all over the place. Like, it's not quite sure what it wants to be. And that's one of the problems, again, I had with it, which was it's... Okay, like I've said, it's not really aimed for, at me. That's fine. However, I found myself really bored. And even the best family films, you shouldn't be finding yourself bored, even if it's not necessarily for you. There should be something to keep your attention. So... Yeah, I thought the script was a bit all over the place. The characterization of, of the main characters was a bit all over the place. And it was just a bit, I can't really think of a better way to describe it other than a little bit boring in places. Mm, really disappointing, isn't it? I just, I wonder, I just wonder what went on. It's like, why, how, why and how did they miss the mark so much? I don't know. Maybe it was just more effort that needed to go into the writing, maybe just develop the characters a little bit more, maybe do more with the script. There needed to be more of an arc as well for Charlie. Like it did, it's okay for him to start off as being a bit naff and a bit of a prick. Like you say, if there is this sort of really kind of in-depth progression of his character, but you just didn't really get that. And then it was just at the end, oh no, he gets to go to heaven anyway because all dogs just by default go to heaven. And it's like, well, no, all dogs, like we know dogs now, get to go to heaven because they're lovely and they're sweet and they're just the best things ever. But those dogs were all just a bit naff. The other thing I found a bit daft as well is that obviously Charlie went to heaven and he saw it and he got to see that it existed. Why would he want to go back down to earth? Like, I never get this. I never get this with things with the afterlife. Like, if you find out that heaven does exist and you get to go to heaven, you're going to stay there. Surely you're not going to risk not being able to go back in. And the the whippet that sort of, uh, you know, uh, meets him when he gets there says you won't be able to come back if you go and he still goes anyway I find that insane yeah and why does he want to go back so he can live in a car in a junkyard like well then <laughs> if it's heaven you can you can you can live wherever you want like that's the whole point of heaven it does it doesn't make any sense no you, you are right I think I think for me the problem with the script is a lack of exposition why it, it, the film just starts and it starts with Charlie being broken out the pound by Itchy and it's a good start to a film. It starts with a good action beat and you know you're in there. However, if you're going to start with a scene like that, like an action scene, then you do it and then you have a beat and then you sort of build your exposition into the beginning and the middle of the film. But they don't do that. So, so Charlie comes across like a prick rather than a lovable rogue because there's no reason why he is the way he is. If all dogs by default are so sweet and lovely and loyal that they get into heaven in this world, then what happened to Charlie to make him like this? Is it just survival instinct, you know? Or what What made him a rogue? Is it because, is it a bit like Thomas, not uh, Thomas O'Malley from, from the Aristocats? I know that's a cat. O'Malley, and, the yeah, and I know, and I know yeah. that's a cat <laughs> and not a dog. But what I mean is, they... 
they write something into his story. Or the tramp, I suppose, would have been a better example of a bloody dog of that he didn't have an owner. So because he doesn't have an owner or he's abandoned by his owner, he's had to survive on the street. So he's developed a bit of a rough edge, a bit of an armor, if you will. But Charlie, there's none of that with Charlie. He's just, oh, he's just running a, running a casino with his fat bulldog cigar smoking mate who then betrays him. And it's just not, yeah, it's 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 just it's just not made to be likable enough. You need to you need to explore that for me. And I know it's a kids' film, but kids are smart. Kids need you know kids would get that. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's interesting that I know we've commented before some films where they just overdo the exposition, and it's like, well, there's no talent in that. You know, I want to see something. I don't need you to tell me everything. But in this, there was just none, and it it just left it left you just with so many questions i think and, and just kind of feeling a bit empty about the whole thing you got to find that right balance like we obviously need some exposition we need to know a bit about who these characters are what their story is what their motivations are because what when what is even their motivation for for doing the casino do they want loads of money is it just that they want to be really successful is it that they want to have access to the best food like it's just kind of like i, I don't know i just like what what do they want what do any of these yeah. characters want? I don't know. Is it not? Is it you know? Does he does he run the casino because he wants to get enough money or dog money, whatever it is in the film, to be able to move away and his dream is to go and live on an island as a dog or go to some sort of dog haven where he can have a lovely life? Because really, like you've just said, you've just poked the biggest hole in it. If you die and go to heaven and it's game over then why would you want to go back if you already know you've won the jackpot? Why would you keep playing the lottery? Mm-hmm. Heaven exists. Like, that's that's what that's what everybody secretly hopes for, even as atheists, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, why would you why would you turn that back? I, I don't think I would. If I died and came back, I was like, oh, yeah, I went to heaven. It's pretty shit, to be honest. All that eternal bliss, not really for me. Yeah, everyone I've ever known was there. It was shit. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a life of bills and pain and yeah. going grey. I'd rather get up and have to actually live. <laughs> <laughs> and struggle. <laughs> live in my fucking junkyard car. Oh. Yeah. So we'll move on to talking about the critical reception then. Now, I know you've picked this mainly because it's underseen, but we, you know, we like to take a look at the critical reception. How do you think this did, critically, roughly? Uh, you know what? I mean, probably not that great. Like, if I was going to mark it, I, it would probably be one of the lowest that we've done. I mean, not as low as 40 Days and 40 Nights, but <laughs> definitely, like, I just wasn't, like I've so I, I've seen films before where I either I you know I don't like the story or I don't like the character or something, but you can see the value in it. Like you can see something like oh that the script was great or like it was shot really well or you know there's something. I try to I really do try to see the value in everything, and with this there just wasn't much going for it. I don't think. Um, but like maybe the people who are rating it could rate it quite high because if they like animation, maybe they like the animation style, maybe they like, you know, that it is a bit, you know, a bit of a kid's film, but is it really? I don't really know. Um, like maybe, like I'd probably give it like a five, like just mm. just plonk it there. And even then I feel like maybe that's a bit generous. Very sort Go of middle, it, middle of the road. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So, um, so IMDb gives it 6.8 out of 10 at the time oh, of recording. Wow, wow. And, and the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 63. So, you know, not that dissimilar, sort of like you say, six middle of the sixes out of 10. Then the, the critics on Rotten Tomatoes 
and this is probably close to what you would think, is is 44%. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we've talked before about critics watching family films and not necessarily looking at it with the right glasses on, shall we say. Uh, but I looked at some of the critical reception, and I do think that they actually got some, they actually made some some good um, some good points. So there's one here that just says basically the the plotting is best kept simple for younger viewers, but it's a bit unfocused and all over the place and overcomplicated that it's a bit boring and difficult to follow. Is is one of them sort of in a gist, and then another one that says that it's it's a film that looks really good but lacks a good protagonist. So that's kind of both the things we've we've already said. And I think I'm inclined to agree with them. I would, I don't know about you, I'd say that the audience scores, if you will, from Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb are probably a little generous. Um, I think so, yeah. I, I probably would side with the side of the critics. So I mean, the film looks good. It does look really good, but that's about where its quality start and end for me, I'm afraid. Yeah, and uh, sadly, I agree. And you know what? When I picked this, I really thought it was going to be I just didn't expect coming out the other end and feeling this way. But that's why this podcast is so interesting because it makes you do that, doesn't it? It makes you go back and reevaluate things and, and you know, kind of try and really see the quality in things and, and you know, analyse things from all different avenues. So I do appreciate that. But, yeah, I was disappointed. Didn't think I'd feel this way. But, yeah, that appropriately rated with the, with the <laughs> four point, what was it, 4.8, did you say, or 48, 44? 44, 44% from the critics, mm. yeah. No, you're right. And And you know what? you pick this because of sort of nostalgia in a way and nostalgia can take a film a long way when times have changed and filmmaking styles have changed and you can look back and go you know things were different but i like this because of x y and z and i watched it at this time in my life there's plenty of films where nostalgia will take it so far unfortunately for this there wasn't enough about the film where you clearly could go yeah but it's this because it's just a bit sort of drab it's like it's one of those sort of meh films <laughs> if i could sum it up in a noise it's meh yeah definitely it is a bit meh. And when i think about other films where i've sort of gone back to because you know maybe for nostalgia reasons and wondered oh am i only doing this for nostalgia like i think about tremors and like i loved that film when i was a kid and then i watched it again for this podcast and i love it now like it still absolutely bangs and with this it just it just didn't it was as you very eloquently put it josh it was pretty meh So uh, there we are. Another one that is added to the underseen pile, but unfortunately, nostalgia didn't pay off for Alice, and now she's sad, aren't you, Alice? So... I am sad. <laughs> I am sad. They're probably the only dogs that didn't deserve to go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, before we move on to uh, talking about next week's film, before we pick next week's film, we'd just like to say, if you do get the time, if you could give us a little five-star rating um, on your iTunes or Apple Podcast app, uh, that would be great. It helps other people... Uh, notice us it helps it helps the pod keep going so if you could just it takes a couple of seconds just get on your phone tap the old five stars even if you don't like us tap five stars you know takes a few takes a few seconds i i don't like me and i've i've given us five stars so, <laughs> i don't like josh either <laughs> yeah so and alice has done it so you know please it only takes a second and it would be very very much appreciated so josh we're going to be doing your pick for next week what are we watching Next week, we're going to be watching and talking about Ed Wood, uh, which is a Tim Burton and Johnny Depp film from, I think, about 1993. So if you haven't seen that, please do watch it because um, it's well worth a look and we'll talk about it next week. Um, mm, very exciting. 
If you would like to get in touch with the podcast, if you've got a film we would like to suggest, or if you'd like to give us an opinion on a film that we've done already and we can read it out on the show, uh, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. It's at filmsandthat or at filmsandthatpod. Just look for Just Films and That and you'll find us. Um, Alice, thanks very much for joining me. Josh, thank you as always. It's been a pleasure. And it's goodbye from me. Cheerio. Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.